0: Romans 5:12 through21. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sin. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. For where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that, as sin reigned in death, grace might also reign through righteousness leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord.
1: Grace and peace, family. I'm Jonah Hooper, uh, Reform University Fellowship Campus Minister at Winston-Salem State University. Um, I know you guys are are finishing up in the Book of Romans, but I'd love to uh, just uh, take a look at one more passage uh, to hopefully kind of close things out for us. Um, But before I I do, though, man, can we just pray together for a minute? Um, Father, we we thank you that even... uh, in a world that seems uh, immersed in chaos that we can turn to you. For what a friend we have in Jesus and all of our sins and griefs to bear and what a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. And oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not take everything to God in prayer. And have we trials and temptations and is there trouble anywhere? And we should not be discouraged, but take it all to God in prayer. And we pray this morning, trusting you to be faithful to your promise to never leave or forsake us. As even in our weakness, Lord, you are our banner of strength and truth. And now, Father, I pray that um, with a, a full heart of humility that you would use me to preach your word boldly, that it would not return void, but empowered by your spirit, it would bless and transform. And we pray these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Um, In 1918, Francis Grimke, who was a black Presbyterian pastor in D.C., wrote, he said, Are these ministers of the gospel, I say, ignorant of the sad, sad things that are daily flowing out of this race-hating spirit to these millions of colored people in this land, or of the debasing effect it is having upon the white people themselves. Or, he says, is it that they don't care? Which is it? That they are doing nothing to make things better, but rather by their silence are helping to make things worse? That we do know. And God will hold them responsible for their indifference, their lukewarmness, their cowardly silence. And I hope this morning uh, that we'll keep uh, Pastor Grimke's question in mind uh, as we come to a passage of scripture that Ben Milner, pastor of Salem Presbyterian, described for me as the linchpin of covenant theology, which breaks humanity into these two trees. One tree extends from Adam and his polluted offspring, and we can imagine that tree being mostly entirely dead. Yet there is this one branch on the tree that that sits pretty high up and is totally green, Uh, it's fresh, and it's alive. So in verse 12, it says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. And the Apostle Paul here clarifies uh, simply in in just the next chapter over that the wages of sin is death. And and know, though, that this passage speaks uh, to you and I today as eloquently uh, as it had to this early church in Rome. Uh, We see that sin enters the story of humanity uh, in the very beginning of of the origin story in, in Genesis. I'm convinced, though, that we don't care to talk much about sin. Um, because there is within each of us this understanding of the harsh reality uh, that because of sin, uh, death is ultimately what we deserve. It's clear that, that even from the story of humanity's beginnings that we are in need of a second Adam. and An Adam that even in the face of temptation would not submit but have a reliance on the revealed will of God. It's in this second, Adam, that we come to rule and reign rightly with God as he has created us. If nothing else, though, this verse uh, uh, should simply remind us that we are all in desperate need of Jesus this is essential to knowing who we are with identities that are not our own but daily we are being molded into the likeness of Jesus as 1st Corinthians 15 22 says it that we see that in Adam all die, but in Jesus we are all made alive death is the enemy of the believer it's the last enemy to be destroyed. Paul says to the church in Corinth. While John the Revelator says that death will be conquered in Christ's return in Revelation 21, in verse 13, though Paul speaks on sin in light of the law. The law, in in really simple terms, is simply uh, the things that we are commanded by God to do. In the Greek of the the New Testament, is used most often to describe. Uh, the Old Testament holistically or more specifically as the Mosaic law. So we see Paul use it here to address God's commands for us, God's instruction for living. yet in Romans 3.20, Paul tells us that the same church, that, that the law brings an awareness of sin. In verse 14 it reads, it says, Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. This is not something that is anything new, Paul is saying. In, in fact, Paul is insisting that since the fall of Adam, this has always been true. To, to live prior to the law of Moses does not mean that they would not be judged by it, but rather Jesus and Adam are seen as these two covenant heads for whom we can be either in Adam or in Christ by new birth. And this is Paul teaching us how Christ's death satisfies the righteous wrath of God, giving us both peace and reconciliation with him. In Jesus, we have the restoration that was lost in the sinfulness of Adam. In verse 15, though, Paul says that the free gift is not like the trespass, for if, if many die through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. I love this literary beauty. So so what is this free gift? The the Westminster Confession says that justification is an act of God's free grace wherein he pardons all of our sins and accepts us as righteous in his sight only for the righteousness of Christ imputed to us and received by faith alone. Clearly Paul sees that this free gift is greater and notice him use these uh, opposing ideas to show us something. Something. On the one hand is the death that comes as a result of sin and Adam and to what is true and better and the free gift of grace that comes in the person and work of Jesus. And This free gift is this extraordinary means of grace in which all of humanity is impacted, answering the question of both from whom does grace come and how to find help for those who are beset in sin and suffering. Uh, This passage is used to highlight uh, the principle of original sin, yet I'm also reminded that we are uh, then truly lavished by grace. Uh, This is what Jesus teaches in the parable of the prodigal son who has gone astray and completely demeaned his father. Yet his father breaks every cultural norm with the love for his son, whom he welcomes home with jewelry and fine clothes and a party to celebrate the child who truly does not deserve it. Notice, though, how how Paul continues in verse 16, he says, And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. And so not only is this free gift unlike the one man's sin, but this free gift brings us justification. I love how beautifully Paul writes this, that the condemnation that comes from the judgment due to sin is completely negated by the free gift of grace. Uh, This is exactly what the hymn this means when we sing what riches of kindness he lavished on us. His blood was the payment. His life was the cough. He stood neath a debt we could not afford and our sins, they are many, but his mercy is more. Justification, though, has to to feel like uh, some weird terminology here. I mean, this has to be um, by far the least expected response. Dr. Guy Waters, who teaches uh, New Testament at Reformed Theological Seminary, says that understanding justification for the Christian is as essential as learning the alphabet to function in society. He says that justification is this act of God. He makes a legal declaration pardoning our sin and rather than give us what we deserve, he chooses to love and accept us as righteous in his sight at the very moment that we come to trust in Jesus. This justification comes based solely then on the obedience of Christ and not of our own work, but he imputes his righteousness to us. So despite the treacherous nature of sin, Christ has overcome it all. He has given us grace that brings us justification. In verse 17, though, uh, Paul continues the narrative from 16 on the condemnation and judgment that leads to death's reign. Coming from Adam's sin, though, much more than comes the abundance of grace, he says. The free gift of righteousness and all that death no longer reigns, but life through the one man, Jesus Christ. So in verse 18, we read it says, therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men. So one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. Paul uses the conjunctive adverb, therefore, and I remember my English professors would, would hate when we'd write like this, but Paul uses it here uh, to give us this summation, driving home over and over again that this trespass of our sin that led to the condemnation for all of humanity, so then in Jesus is the one act of righteousness that gives us both justification and life for all of humanity. And I can assure you that we can rest in this truth. And I don't, I don't know what you're struggling with or, or how you're simply wrestling with life itself, but I can tell you that the answer, no matter what, is justification and life in Jesus. And over the past few weeks, I've been asked several times about how I'm dealing with the tragic loss of life of of George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor and Rashad Brooks. and, And I can't tell you how honestly frustrating this question has become because it fails to acknowledge the reality that these are just a few names that do not embody the loss of black lives as what has become a cultural norm. So I've been angry and I've grieved over and over again, yet I rest trusting that in Jesus there is justification and life. Like Pastor Grimke, I I, I know that there are those who would refute the gospel application to uh, this issue, and yet I would beg to question how you could affirm justification and life in Jesus and not also boldly claim that the lives of your black brothers and sisters matter. Uh, The shepherd who in Luke 15 searches for his one lost sheep does not mean that the other nine nine sheep don't matter, but there is a sheep that is lost and in need of the safety of the shepherd who gives his very life for him. Uh, This systematic injustice of black and brown communities in our city should bring us uh, to a Christ-like outrage, not on the basis of guilt or privilege, but on the very gospel by which we are being saved. So in verse 19, we see that while Adam's disobedience leads us to seeing the obedience from Christ and his sacrifice for us on the cross leads us to be made righteous. I love how Paul tells us that we are being made righteous. Paul is saying, don't get this twisted, don't get this messed up. But know that this righteousness comes from Christ alone. Look lastly then, if you will with me, at verses 20 and 21. It says, now the law came in to increase the trespass, But where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And we've seen Paul use comparisons a few times in the text to, to illustrate not only different ideas, but he uses it to show a greater value of one thing over the other. Here he references the the trespass of sin with the abounding grace of God. In verse 21, the the sin that reigns in death is swallowed up by the grace that reigns in righteousness. And that's not it though because this, this grace and righteousness leads us to eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So, how much more excellent then is this abounding grace, righteousness, and eternal life that that we have in Jesus than anything in all of the world, So we can lift our arms and adoration to him to the God who rules and reigns above. All things who brightens our cloudy days, the, the God who calls Seldra Bland, Eric Garner, Tamir Rice, Tatiana Jefferson, Aura Rosser, Stephen Clark, Botham John, Philando Castile, Alton Sterling, Freddie Gray, Tanisha Fonville, Michael Brown, and Tanisha Anderson as his sons and daughters to find rest in him. The God who on the cross has already done more than we could have ever imagined or Maybe I can simply close poetically in the words of Eugene Cho, an Asian American pastor in Seattle. He says that winds blow and chaos ensues, anxiety rises, and a lament is in the air. Yet Christ is our anchor to hold tight, be steadfast, resist the empire be compassionate, pursue justice, stand with the oppressed, or fight for the vulnerable, or seek God's kingdom, and keep pointing people to Jesus. And to this God be the glory.
0: Amen. Y'all be blessed.